It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Tuesday, January 4th, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Sitka reported 46 coronavirus cases in the last five days, according to data from the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services. The new cases were reported from Wednesday through Sunday. That means over the last week, 74 new coronavirus cases have been reported locally. It's the highest number of cases Sitka has reported in one week since the first week of August. When the Sitka Unified Command met last week, Fire Chief Craig Warren said that two people were hospitalized with the coronavirus at Mount Edgecombe Medical Center. He urged Sitkins to remain vigilant, even with early data showing that Omicron symptoms may be less severe than those of previous variants. It is quite a bit more transmissible than uh, the previous versions of COVID-19. The good news, if there is a silver lining, is that people aren't getting quite as sick. But I want to caution that with the numbers going up, we could still see higher hospitalizations just because of the sheer number of patients. Public health nurse Denise Ewing said her department was still waiting on sequencing results to confirm whether the Omicron variant is driving the newest surge of cases in Sitka. Ewing continued to push for vaccines, testing, and masking. And since early studies show Omicron is highly transmissible, Ewing said to wear an N95, KN95, or surgical mask instead of a cloth mask if possible. We can fight Omicron. We have the tools to do it. To date, Sitka has reported 1,293 coronavirus cases, 29 hospitalizations, and six deaths. While Sitka remains in high alert, the community's mask mandate is in effect in most indoor spaces. Two Sitkins captured the footage of a lifetime when they witnessed an avalanche near Herring Cove on Sunday. In a 47-second video hastily recorded by Sandy Lawton and her boyfriend William Guy, the avalanche appears to come down a mountainside, over Green Lake Road, and into the water below. Oh man, it's going to take out that parking lot, I think. Yep. Oh, wow. It's going to take out that parking lot. Looks like we're not going yep. all the way to hey, the Hey, we end. might not be able to get through the end of there. Check that out. No, we're not going we're over not there, going Bill. There oh, we're going over there. No, trust, we're not. Trust me. Bill, I'll drive. We're turning around no. at the end over there as far as we can go. No, we're not. It might. We might have more come down to quit it. Heck no, I think it shook its top coat off. Look at that. It's cold. Look at the wind hitting the water there. Lawton and Guy were taking a drive down Sawmill Creek Road around 3 p.m. when the couple spotted the avalanche across the cove. We just happened to to look up and uh, seeing all of this snow come bailing down the mountain. When you saw it with your naked eye, it was really something else watching those trees get swallowed up. Yeah. I mean, it took huge Sitka spruce and just buried them in snow. KCAW has reached out to the city and the Forest Service for more information on the avalanche's location, size, and whether it's blocking access to Green Lake Road. Air travel delays continue for many Alaskans who went out of state for Christmas and intended to be back by now. Alaska Airlines canceled 100 flights on Monday, according to FlightAware.com. Alaska Public Media's Liz Ruskin has been in touch with travelers stuck on vacation after the fun is gone. Susan Hayner of Anchorage is grounded in Las Vegas with three children under 10. You know, we're fine. We're just frustrated. We want to get home. Um, Kids need to be in school. We need to be at work. 
On their outbound leg, they got stuck in Seattle for two days, but they made it to Nevada in time for her daughter's hockey tournament. Then their return flight was canceled. Now, what was supposed to be a one-week trip is stretching to almost two. We just extended our stay in the hotel we were staying at before. You know, it's a Marriott, so it's decent. But things are starting to add up, you know, unexpected costs. I'm getting this. Look at what I'm getting. I'm getting one of these. Hainer and her family are at Target, where they went for necessary supplies like nail clippers and emergency toys. Each child was allotted a $10 budget. Hainer says they considered taking the long way home, flying to other airports to see if they had flights to Anchorage. They even considered going via Hawaii. Yeah, we were going to drive from Las Vegas to Los Angeles to be on that direct flight. There's nothing available until um, January, I think, 11th. We were going to drive to Denver. There's nothing out of Denver directly to Anchorage. You have to connect in Seattle. I mean, we were going to drive to Phoenix, but my friends are stuck in Phoenix right now until January 10th. There's absolutely nothing. So now they're resigned to racking up bills with the hotel stay and the rental car. Meanwhile, back home, their Aussie doodle misses them and they owe their dog sitter more with each passing day. They've heard the airline might reimburse them for some of it, but they don't know how much. Alaska Airlines, like its competitors, cites a combination of weather delays and a high number of employees sidelined by COVID. Scott McMurrin, who writes the Alaska Travelgram newsletter, says he thinks the primary cause was weather. My sense is that COVID is a contributing factor. But there's, there was so much bad weather, particularly in Seattle. But to Hainer, it feels like this is one more thing lost to the pandemic, the trust she used to have in the reliability of air travel. We can't take anything for granted anymore, like ha- having a set schedule or arriving uh, at our destination or going home. The only thing Hainer feels she can rely on now is uncertainty. For Alaska Public Media, I'm Liz Ruskin. Governor Mike Dunleavy declared a disaster emergency on Monday for some areas in Alaska affected by severe winter storms. Dunleavy's declaration covers the Copper River and Delta Greeley areas, as well as the Fairbanks North Star, Denali, and Matanuska Susitna boroughs. Extreme winds and cold temperatures have affected the areas. At one point over the weekend, 20,000 households in Matsu lost power. Dunleavy says now is the time to check in with neighbors and stay off the roads if possible. A contingent of National Guard soldiers and airmen are activated in Fairbanks to assist the borough with any transportation needs. Heavy winds have hammered the Matanuska Susitna borough since Saturday, leading to widespread damage and power outages for thousands of residents. Residents describe the worst winds they can remember, combined with bitterly cold temperatures. Alaska Public Media's Lex Trinan reports from Anchorage. Even without leaving her house, Elise Goodfellow described the winds of the last few days as horrific. It literally sounds like we're in a tornado and slight, like flying through an asteroid belt. We're just waiting for the debris to hit. She lives in a farmhouse between Palmer and Wasilla with glass doors and large windows that were flexing with each gust. Her neighbor's camper tipped over and blew apart, crushing a nearby fence, 
Goodfellow had her husband go out and check on it. There's just bits of chunks of metal and pieces of camper just blowing all over the neighborhood. She messaged us and said, you know, huh? if you could watch out for flying metal scraps, that'd be great. Goodfellow hasn't had any serious property damage, but winds of more than 70 miles per hour were still gusting as late as Monday morning. For Goodfellow and many other residents of the Matsu, they're the worst winds they can remember. They've torn off roofs from houses, flipped trucks and planes, and knocked down spruce trees, crushing vehicles. The Matanuska Electric Association says nearly a quarter of its customers are without power as of Monday evening. The strongest gusts were recorded on the Glen Highway near the Palmer Interchange, where a gust of 91 miles per hour was notched on Sunday evening. Sarah Larimer runs Country Cannabis, a two-story barn that's perched right next to the roundabout on the top of the intersection. We've seen three semi-trucks flip. We've seen a full-size six-place trailer, enclosed trailer flip on the roundabout. Right now, there's a semi-truck on the bridge. Debris smashed the window of one of her employees' vehicles, filling it with a heavy snowdrift before workers realized what had happened. The company's steel dumpster blew over and tumbled down the road. Larimer later found it in a ditch. Gusts were dying down by Monday afternoon, but there were new dangers. Now that the snow is off the roads and stuff, now it's picking up gravel and kind of carrying it in this, like, wind tunnel. You know, there's been some little mini, like, twisters that the wind kind of picks up, and it'll kind of look like a mini tornado. And you can see debris and rocks and stuff um, flying in the air. The full extent of the damage is still being pieced together, but businesses in the commercial area on the Glen Highway on Lake Wasilla were hit hard. Real estate agent Mark Babbitt surveyed some of the wreckage while checking on his properties. He stopped at a KFC that was badly damaged. The sides are totally ripped off. Uh, you can just walk in and out of it. There's uh, there's no way to board it up currently. The uh, Palmer train station, uh, which is the community center there, their pergola, which covers over the uh, the steam engine, has uh, ripped down and fallen apart. Wind chills are predicted to get as low as minus 35 degrees over the next few days. Schools were canceled on Monday and Tuesday, and the closure could be extended, says Superintendent Randy Traney. Um, The main reason for that is our parking lots. They just are not safe for students. Um, And then we can't have kids waiting at bus stops. Um, Not to mention we have so many families and staff who are dealing with uh, broken pipes, no electricity. Officials and the Red Cross set up two emergency shelters for residents, some of whom have gone without power for over two days. Matanuska Electric Association says it could take till the end of the week before all customers have power back up, so officials expect more people could start checking into the shelter soon. Still, borough manager Mike Brown says the area is lucky in one way. We heard of one restaurant where some glass shattered and there was a minor injury to an individual um, so we have seen spot reports, um, but we've been very fortunate not to have any uh, significant injuries and or loss of life at this point. But he cautioned the storm's still not over. A high wind warning is in effect until Wednesday evening, and the National Weather Service says temperatures could drop below zero. Reporting from Anchorage, I'm Lex Trinan. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. <laughs>